0: What's up, everybody? It's time for another exciting Spotlight interview. Uh, Today we're talking about an issue which is important to uh, just about everybody in the audience. Uh, We've got two experts here to talk about creative and creative optimization. Uh, One is Sandro, the head of creative works at Google. Hi, everyone. And the other is Rao, who's a creative producer at Nexter's.
1: Yeah, hello, Ethan, Sandro, and uh, yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, guys, welcome uh, to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Um, To start with, could you each take a turn introducing yourselves and telling us a little bit about your background in the games industry?
2: Yeah, uh, well, I can start. Um, Well, first of all, thanks, Ethan, for having us here today. Uh, I've been a huge fan of Deconstructor, actually, and I've been listening uh, to, I can't say all of the episodes, but uh, definitely many of them for the last uh, several oh, years. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so now, now dreams come true, you know, and uh, okay, we'll try to make it uh, valuable for our audience.
0: No, no pressure, but who's the better interviewer, me or Mishka?
2: Uh <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think it depends mostly on the uh, on the on your guests, actually.
0: Oh, okay. So I'm just i uh, I'm just a a, a voice. All right. So sorry, sorry for interrupting. Your background in game development.
2: Yeah. Um. Well, my career it can be divided into into three acts. So act one is uh, what I call the exciting world of creativity and big brands. So I started in uh, back. Back in 2007, uh, I started my career in Moscow as a creative in ad agency. And I was working uh, for the biggest advertisers, such as Coca-Cola, Heineken, uh, Nestle, uh, and Google, actually. And then later, uh, so I made my career from the creative to the executive creative director, uh, won the global and local awards. And then after 10 years, I decided that I uh, needed uh, a new challenge. And this is how the Act 2 begins, that is uh, gaming. So uh, in uh, 2018, uh, I joined Wargaming. The reason for that was because, I mean, I was uh, being a gamer uh, from my school years. So I had all possible, you know, consoles starting with uh, Dandy and then Sega and uh, PlayStation, all of them. So then, you know, like in 2018, when was, I was thinking, what should I do next? I just remembered uh, my, you know, uh, school years. And uh, there was a position at Wargaming, so I joined it. I joined Wargaming as a head of creative and strategy. And it was for the in-house creative agency. So then I uh, moved to Playrix, and uh, at Playrix, I was... Uh, responsible for fishdom creatives and also for some, you know, innovative projects for other titles. Yeah, so and then now at Google, uh, I'm leading the Creative Works team. It's an end-to-end creative consultancy for the biggest customers of Google. So we're a unit of strategists and producers who help the gaming companies and tech customers unlock the growth with creatives. Uh, I mean, our focus is like on what we call creative transformation. Uh, and uh, we help with different aspects, uh, be it finding the new insight, or helping to come up with ideas, or find the right partner for creative production. And um, yeah, and most of our clients, are, more of my clients, are gaming companies or tech. So it's uh, Nexters, where that we are honored to have here, Rao, and uh, Playrix and Wargaming, my game, my games, Zep Lab, and others.
0: Great, wonderful. Thank you wow. for that um, uh, tour of your uh, history. Rao, how about you?
1: My name is Rao, and I'm a creative producer at Nassar's. Uh I've been in the industry like for four years uh, now, and managed to work with uh, a lot of different titles, like um, maybe, you know, Cooking Diaries, Nitro, Nation. Uh, some of them are well-known, some of them are not, but uh, there are uh, there were a lot of like different genres and advertising uh, formats that I've been working with. So, yeah, it's a great pleasure to be your guest, and I'm excited to share some insights and, and Nexter's expertise.
0: So the, the Deconstructor of Fun audience is largely free-to-play mobile devs, and obviously one of the biggest changes in the business over the past few years has been ATT. Um, how has this change in targeting capability changed the nature of making great creative ads?
1: For us, the nature of creative production hasn't significantly changed yet, uh, mainly because uh, we have our like, desktop version of our main title. Yeah, uh, our main title is Hero Wars. Uh, so creative strategists uh, continue to work on two-thirds of uh, our acquisition compared to what it used to be. So yeah, in the long term, we are uh, um, trying to find like a new solution how to work better with these policies, uh, how to make them useful for us. But for now, it is what it is.
2: Yeah, um, I also wanted to add that, you know, uh, the, the question of uh, targeting and the importance of creative is um, actually not only related to the ATT, uh, but also to the nature of the, you know, automated marketing. So if you, um, so even without ATT and most app apps inventories, uh, apps advertising inventories, you have not many levers actually you have uh, the bits you have the budgets and then you have creatives right mm-hmm. so uh, you can't manually choose targeting uh, it's solved by algorithm and mm-hmm. uh, in this sense creative actually becomes targeting and mm-hmm. i mean if you imagine so you came up with a new concept so you put it in the system you you know you do all these um uh, bits and budgets things so then it's a uh, tuning and then the algorithm just you know shows it to different groups of uh, users and then you know those who respond and those uh, where the algorithm can see the effectiveness get the more impressions right so it actually adapts to the uh, reactions of the users and then in this case depending it's like a fishing In a way so depending on the bait you have different catch and uh, that's why um we have to be you know conscious about that and keep it in mind when we do creatives because Mm -hmm. there is no other way how you can you know target the uh the players that you want to get into the game and the the best way is to do i mean to, to start with the audience actually to start with the players and uh understand their insights, and then build the creative. So that, I mean, you get the those players who really enjoy your game.
0: Sandra, thanks for all that uh, info. So if I'm understanding you correctly, where previously, if you had a hypothesis like um, nurses are a high-spending audience that will enjoy fishdom, you could make any ad, And then you could, with the targeting options, try and specifically target nurses and and see how they responded to your ads. And what you're saying is now, because you don't have those targeting capabilities within the campaign settings, you need to instead think, what is a advertisement that will appeal to nurses? And then make that and see if it works or not. Is that, am I understanding you correctly on how you mean the creative itself has to do the work of targeting?
2: Yes, exactly. And then um, uh, the best way is just to start with, obviously, you do have some audience in many cases, right? If it's not a new game. So you do have this audience. Uh, you just need to analyze it properly. And then uh, uh, in the best case, you need to speak to them to do the customer development interview just to understand who, who they are. And what, uh, why they play the game, your game? So what do they enjoy most? There are many things, actually, many tools to do uh, to use. Uh, there is a uh, Quantic foundry and and game refinery tool that is uh, called the motivations, uh, the uh, motivational archetypes. Or I mean, there are many, plenty of the frameworks on the market. Uh, the point is that you should start with your players, with those who you want to get into your game, understand their insights and, you know, build creative on top of that. So then there is a higher chances that you get uh, those who will be enjoying your game.
0: Are there tools or ad formats that have become more important or more dominant as these targeting capabilities have become less powerful and a lot of the levers, have you said, of... Uh, have moved just into machine learning algorithms,
1: so we think that there are some formats that uh, like really becoming more dominant uh, compared to what they were, for example, brand advertising or ads with uh, uh, people, ads with uh, influencers uh, ads adapted as uh, user generated content. yeah, but in the big picture share of these kind of ads, Uh, at least for us, is still insignificant. But we see some um, uh, developers uh, use this kind of ads more often and probably it will be like the future for the performance marketing X system. But who knows? Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also want to add that the diversity of the formats is playing a big role now. Um again, because of the automation and these um, uh, the you know advanced tools you in in many app campaigns in uh, in Google inventory, for example, you don't choose whether your ad will be shown in the ad network I mean uh, in the uh, ad mob it's our it's Google's uh, mobile network or in mobile YouTube yeah so and depending on the creative, you can also influence the inventory that's going to be used. So that's why um, the influencers, for example, the great thing about them is that we have, we made many experiments with YouTubers and uh, we call it YouTuber made ads. Um, they really perform very well and not only for the organic uh, traffic, you know, for because you can use uh, influencers in two ways, right? So uh, first is... Uh, just to make a project with the influencer to get the attention of their uh, nature of the of the audience of this youtuber or uh, you can make an ad with the youtuber and then use it for paid media right and this second option is becoming more and more popular just because they know how to do the uh, videos for the uh, form for the for the platform yeah so if you want to Activate YouTube. It's the best way is to involve YouTuber to do it for you, and then again, the same as uh, any performance advertising. You do, you have your hypothesis, you have different YouTubers, and then you see the results and scale the best ones.
0: Got it. Um, I want to dig into the uh, topic of uh, machine learning and, and how it changes the nature of the job. Um, a little bit because it's come up a bunch, you know, I know, as you've said, machine learning plays a a massive role in optimizing ad campaigns in in many different, you know, modern offerings, including Google app campaigns. So what do I, as a, a, a creator and a marketer, how do I set up my creative process or my ads themselves to get the most out of this machine learning driven campaign optimization?
2: Uh, that's a great question. Um, what we usually suggest to, to for our uh, customers is uh, to make sure that the creative department and the user acquisition teams they are aligned, and they have you know the process where they they don't work um, fully autonomous. They should be working together. Ideally, it should be like a cross-functional uh, team where. Uh, one team you know is responsible for ads for creating uh concepts and another is for you know setting the app campaigns but then they also work together in understanding what works and what not so that's uh, because there is a you know often uh um we notice that these two teams can be separate and the, it's it's not good for the result so ideally you should have the process where those two teams will be having the same goals, actually, and working, you know, like rowing in the same direction.
0: So I'm going to move to a a topic that's uh, uh, near and dear to my heart as I'm literally four to five days into building a prototype for a new game, doing the coding, having a lot of fun with that lately. Um, But let's say I'm in this early development phase And because I'm an experienced dev and I listen to Deconstructor of Fun, I know how important user acquisition is going to be to whether my game is successful or not. Um, So I want to see how marketable my concept is early on. So like, how can I go about from this earliest phase of development, making different creatives or doing different tests to see if my concept has Uh, traction with an an audience, right? Like how do I make sure I'm not about to waste the next nine months of development um, because I built something that just wasn't highly marketable?
1: Uh, Yeah, so... I would agree uh, with uh, Sandro that uh, the user acquisition team uh, should all this work closely uh, with the creative team and the same rules. Rule applies to the production team because uh, the product should all these work closely uh, with marketing especially at these early development phases for uh, for your game. Yeah, You should focus on like variety and tests and you should test as many different concepts as possible. Uh, You don't want to like um, invest your resources into the quality of your ads. So you don't, you you don't want to make like three uh, high end ads. You, you want to make 10 uh, great concepts, 10 great ideas. So uh, do, as many tests uh, as possible to cover the different size of your target audience. So again, uh, Sandra was right that uh, you always should focus on your audience and start with your audience. So probably if you are in the early development phase, you uh, have already decided what your audience would be, right? Uh, And uh, I have like, uh, a small example um, uh, with our uh, testing process. Um, uh, I'm sure you know uh, that we are losing or uh, u- using a lot of uh, 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 characters in our ads, and the main character is Galahad, the warrior in uh, like uh, white uh, plates. Yeah, um, this is. Uh, Galahad uh, is our uh, like mascot, but um, there is the reason behind that. Um, We've made several testings and uh, we found out that the audience uh, that attracted by Galahad uh, has the better conversion rate and the better retention. And um, comparing to other characters, for example, if we... Uh, use another, for example, you know, Aurora, our like other tank character. Uh, If we we use Aurora, uh, the audience has better CTR, but slightly low conversion rate and much, much lower retention rate. For some reason, uh, Aurora brings us irrelevant audience. Yeah. So, you better know this information in the early development stages uh, for your game. Yeah. So yeah, again, with the help of performance marketing, you get to know your audience better, how they react to certain ideas, concepts, settings, and even characters. This approach uh, will definitely help you to understand to, uh, to understand the strengths and weaknesses of the product from the start, uh, as well as you can like easily reduce the marketing expenses later on. Yeah,
0: Got it. That's a great answer. Um, So let's say I followed your advice. I tested 10 different variants for what this game could be, you know, and I found that werewolf dating simulator is the idea, (laughs) right? A game about dating werewolves, which is, I shouldn't even say that on the podcast because that is brilliant. That is a top hundred grossing game um oh well uh so let's say werewolf dating simulator is the winning concept once i have this basic concept from this kind of cheaper quicker creative that i've made alongside nine others you know uh, merman dating simulator didn't work frankenstein dating simulator didn't work but werewolf dating simulator that's the key um how can I then take this idea and run with it and optimize it and really get the most out of this um, idea that gives me a clue uh, where there's a pocket of audience to, to dig into?
1: Yeah, I, I would like to play this. <laughs> Weird, uh, dating uh, similarities, yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you found these kind of like great concept that you think that uh, uh, you can make the best uh, value of it. Yeah, it's, and it seems to work then. First of all, you, you should always uh, bring the production quality to its top. So it is necessary to improve um, like all of the basic metrics of this creative or of this uh, concept to, to the maximum possible values. Um, next, uh, of course, you you should focus on scalability. Uh, Sandra mentioned that you uh, you can always like scale your creative to different channels and adapt. Uh, it is necessary to adapt your creative to different channels, so you have to make all available sizes, horizontal, vertical, square, any, every, uh, all formats like bumpers, long videos, short videos. Uh, Labels, static uh, images. Uh, you can add a narrator, change editing a little bit, uh, like shift the mu- swap the music, uh, and so on. And the last step, of course, is iterating because uh, uh, you want to make sure you have enough iterations to like prolong the life of the, uh, the life of this concept.
0: Got it. So it sounds like. You know, based on the conversation, once I found an idea that works, like, you know, let's say in this werewolf dating simulator example, I need to be doing two things at the same time. One is every month, new variations of that ad to rotate in as, you know, the market gets saturated with, let's call it werewolf dating simulator V1. I need V2, V3, V4 to keep rotating in to to catch people's attention. because just running the same ad over and over degrades performance. And in parallel, while I'm doing that, I should be planning for, you know, looking for the next ad idea that's even better than that one. So I need to be testing out new concepts at the same time to try and find an even better way to advertise my uh, game and bring more players in.
2: Yes, exactly.
0: Got it. You know, I've got... It's actually great that I have you two here because with the play to you know fishdom and nexters and all this experience because as a game designer one of the things i'm kind of confused by is that i see ad trends like pull the pin or tower math or save the king or you know formats that are sometimes playable that the gameplay shown in the ad is not directly related to the gameplay of the game and I see these ads over and over for years so they must be working and as a game designer I'm just confused. I think like why is a why is this ad that's kind of advertising a different game working so well um, because people must see pull the pin and then come play the game and it's a match three game and they just stick with it you know if it, if they didn't play that match three game, i wouldn't be seeing this ad so much so do you guys have like a uh do you have a hypothesis on why these types of ads work so well
1: sometimes as a producer i'm confused too why these concepts are (laughs) as long (laughs) as it's a mystery to
0: both of us then i'm happy yeah
1: yeah that's true but um um, let's start from the basics like the main goal of advertising the piece of media, of creative, is to target the perfect audience. So, um, in my opinion, if you see an ad, like, that is too unconnected to the real gameplay, well, uh, maybe this concept attracts exactly those players who will more likely enjoy their game, right? Uh, does it make sense? And, um, I mean, I uh, do we really need to know why? Why is it working that way?
0: So your answer is human beings are mysterious.
2: Yeah, but also yeah. when it's you know multiplied by the automation and algorithms, then it's, mm-hmm. well, um, my uh, yeah. Let me also. Yeah, that was a great honest answer. I mean, uh yeah, well, for
0: you
1: and, uh... Uh, Can I, like, showcase some Nexters experience? On, on yeah, the...
0: absolutely.
1: Uh, in Nexters, we believe that our players are, like, more of the thinkers. They like to solve problems and calculate numbers, levels, points, and chances. So, um, we've made uh, a research and we found out that 80% of the time players spend in the main menu um, distributing talents rebalancing squads just sitting in the main menu menu and thinking rather than in actual battles hmm. that's crazy right so because I'm talking about the mobile RP role-playing game
0: right right a hero collector which it, yeah people role... people who stick with it um, it's more about the meta game and the progression systems than the mini game right yeah that's true that's correct
1: yeah and like uh, you can even search uh, like hero wars uh, guide hero wars gameplay and you will mm-hmm. see uh, the video a lot of videos where players like spend most of the most of their time in the main menu rather than in battles yeah. themselves yeah so um, we are trying to show our gameplay from that perspective right cuz if we will show the battles the action battles uh how like how do players will know uh what kind of gameplay is it like what what kind of experience they will have in the game right Mm -hmm. so this is how important to know your audience and what they do and what they actually like yeah
0: Yeah. i want to um switch topics to something we've touched on a little bit already which is i've started to see a lot of influencers or mock influencers show up in ads you know i can't always tell whether it's someone who's actually got an audience or someone who's just a person but i'm seeing like a lot of these like in survivor io recently there's an ad where like someone's playing the game and a girl's about to hit him with a skateboard and then she's like oh my god this game's amazing you know there's all sorts of things featuring real people now In different way shapes and forms in your experience do influencers boost the performance of an ad is this something that's like taking over a meaningful share of people's budgets uh, is it something that's kind of in a more experimental phase like uh, do do influencers work
1: so yeah I would totally agree that that influencers uh, have an important role and are already like uh, an integral part of the performance marketing landscape Uh, um, with the growth of the advertising industry uh, people have developed uh, ad blindness do do you guys know what ad blindness is? Uh, Uh, no, I do not yeah, so ad blindness is an ability to unconsciously recognize and skip ads without even like noticing an ad Mm. like immediately so um and uh, it sounds very sad, right? For especially for uh, market, uh, people working in marketing, like uh, you've you, you spent a lot of money and resources on ad, and people are just skip it without even mm-hmm. no- noticing it unconsciously.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah that's, uh, that, uh, And uh, influencers, especially if uh, your ads has was made without any professional equipment, just like with a phone. Uh, help highlight your creative by breaking through this ad blindness, because people tend to believe more to other people, especially if they are like well-known people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In addition, no, uh, yeah. Since these ads like look more native and like genuine, uh, they build more trust among users, which means that people are more likely to click
2: and install your game. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And then there is a question, you know, I heard once that is quite interesting is that, um, and as you mentioned, Ethan, there are uh, many times you see the influencers and you're not sure if it is Mm -hmm. a real influencer or is it an actor or, but I mean, at least you don't uh, recognize him. Right. So then um, it's interesting because uh, it's not, uh, he doesn't have to be famous. It's not a celebrity marketing, actually. It's uh, it's just uh, someone who knows how to work uh, with camera, who knows how to speak to the right. you know platform uh, users, and this is and this authenticity that Rao mentioned. Uh, this is what works. So, so
0: what you're saying, and, and let me make sure I got this correctly, is that people should start hiring me to be the influencer in their mobile game ads. That's. That's almost word for word what you said, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> I would believe you, Ethan, if, if, you,
0: if I will see you,
2: ever see you in the net. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, do the, because when you work with the Guys, inter-
0: these werewolves are out of control. These are the hunkiest yeah. werewolves I've ever seen. I'm going to date all of them. This is,
2: guys, this is <laughs> perfect. Right. I mean, well. <laughs> absolutely, because this is about talent, right? So this is about ability- to do the ads that looks to do the content. I mean that is that is um, um, relevant for the for the platform users, whatever it. it is. Yeah.
0: So it's interesting about this um, is that if I were um, actually like I might actually do this, um, it would cost a lot of money to get Amaranth or PewDiePie or someone whose name I know to advertise a mobile game of mine, a lot more than probably I have to spend. But <clears throat> what's interesting about what you've said is that um, it's, it's just as important, or the important thing is kind of breaking somebody's mental pattern, their, their reaction to an ad. So I could probably do a test, a, a, an ABC test of someone on the game team, someone who's like a C tier, cheaper influencer and someone who's just a model, who's not an influencer at all, and record those three and see which, you know, which person uh, breaks through the noise more. And, and if what I'm hearing is correct, I might be able to find someone who just because they're comfortable on camera and charismatic, that they could be as effective or more effective than a known gaming influencer for much cheaper, right? It's yes, not. It's man. not Tim the Tap Man or nothing, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's exactly, and also you have to keep in mind uh, another aspect is that um, because this face that you're gonna choose, it's uh, for the viewers, for the you know, for the audience. Th- this is uh, someone who they will associate with your game,
0: mm-hmm. and uh,
2: o- and ultimately with themselves. So if for, you could also test the different. Uh, types of influencers, not necessarily, I'm not speaking about uh, expensive for cheap. I'm speaking about different characters, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and for different markets. Again, the best um, in class um, examples are when the gaming advertiser, he uses uh, influencers who are, uh, you know, native to the, to the target okay. market. So you could have, you know, like a gallery when we've been working with someone, some of them we, we, we saw and we were really impressed with the gallery of influencer made ads that they uh, produced for different markets. And all mm-hmm. of them were performing very well, right. just because they, as I said, in the beginning, it's like, you know, creative doing the targeting work. So these, uh, depending on the, uh, type of per person that you choose, you might get the similar type of players to your game, right. and this is again this is actually a good way to because coming back to your um, one of the questions when you have a new concept of the game, you can also do that. You can choose different uh, characters, different people, who are uh, you know really comfortable uh, speaking to camera. Uh, Different, uh, you know, genders, different uh, ethnos, and different, uh, you know, just manner of speaking, and then you will it will give you a clue to what who is the relevant uh, who is your game relevant for actually what type awesome. of
0: audience. Well, guys, this has been a phenomenal episode, jam packed with information. I I know a lot more than I did when I started. And I just want to close it out with this last question, which is, you know, what are the trends we should be watching when it comes to ad creatives, testing, and, and optimization going forward? You know, what do you think is going to be important in 2023 um, in the world of uh, mobile game advertising? Well,
2: <clears throat> first of all, um, as, we, as, we, as we've been discussing, the importance of uh, getting a relevant audience into your game is going to be growing. So because people don't want to spend money randomly, uh, you have to be relevant. And for that, the player-centric approach to creative development is going to be key. So focusing, starting from the player, building on the insights of your players and getting the relevant audience. This is one thing. Another thing is that Especially in our team, we will—it's uh, it's, going to be definitely a big bet for next year—is APAC. So APAC is a is a huge market, huge gaming market, and for many for many gaming um, companies, it, it's uh, like extremely important on one hand, and then on the other hand, the creatives that they produce are not regionally relevant. So they are just. That creatives, uh, the same creatives that they use uh, globally, uh, and sometimes even without any translation. And this is a, a huge gap. And uh, like, for example, when people speak of APAC, you know, they they're thinking many of them they're thinking that there is a market there, and it's more or less, let's say, the same. And like, you know, there are some trends in those markets, uh, and then that I can, you know, leverage. But in fact, if you take a look at uh, South Korea, that is a huge mm-hmm. market versus Japan, that is another huge market. They are very different in terms of how players, uh, in, in the players' preferences, um, for example, and also in, t- in the cultural, you know, aspects. Like So, for example, what we noticed is that when you launch a new game in Japan or in South Korea, most of the, you know, games uh, they involve like famous influencers or mm-hmm. like superstars or bands. It's just because in South Korea, it's a it's a normal thing, you know, to follow the trend, to be one of the first, you know, to get into the new fancy game mm-hmm. and stuff. And then you have, on the other hand, you have, uh, you know, the players who are not really loyal to any game because when the new trend uh, starts, they will jump in, into the another. Mm. Whereas in Japan, you know, the players are loyal. They really, you know, they stick to the games uh, they choose and, uh, you know, they read the uh, reviews. They are really focused on the quality of the game and the quality of the ad. So, And if they choose to play one game, they, they're going to stick to it, right? And then there is, a, you know, a number of things and tactics, creative tactics that will work Best for Japan Japanese players, but that will not work for South Korean players.
1: And I'll be brief. Um, Brand performance influencers and ads adapted as user-generated content, and we think that this is might be the future for uh, the performance marketing industry. Yeah,
0: wonderful. Well, guys, Sandra Rao, thank you so much for joining us here today. Uh, I really appreciate your time. And, and as I said, I learned a lot about something that's incredibly important to my work as a game producer and designer and that I don't really know that much about. So thank you for coming on and thank you for educating me. Appreciate yeah, it.
2: Yeah, Thank you so much, Ethan. Raul, as always, it's great to speak to you. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you, guys, very much. Hope uh, it will be useful. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Bye, y'all. You did it made it to the end of the episode as a fan of the show it would help us out if you subscribe and leave us a review on the podcast service of your choice more importantly are you a member of the deconstructor of fun slack group if you have five years or more of games industry experience go to DeconstructorofFun.com slash slack and apply to join join the games industry's best professional community filled with peers always willing to lend a hand or subscribe to our newsletter to get all the latest insights from the deconstructor of fun content creators